Welcome back to the HC Network interview series podcast. Our final interview from the HC North America Congress is with Mr. Ron Gant. Ron has some great experience in health and safety, and we are proud to bring his thoughts forward to you all. Here's the full interview. We're excited today to interview Mr. Ron Gant. Ron has spent his career helping organisations create the conditions for human flourishing at work. He's a lifelong learner with 18 years experience in safety management system safety, human factors, resilience engineering, and organisational leadership and leadership. With a passion for creating processes that bring out the best in people, tapping into the creative problem solving we all have to do with the complex problems we face. He also heads up as the director of Reflect Consulting Group and the editor of Safety Differently, working closely with Mr. Sidney Decker. Today we discuss with Ron human factors, behaviour, safety management systems, leadership and resilience engineering, the new view of safety. Over to you, Ron. Right, Mr. Ron Gant, welcome to uh, beautiful Houston, Texas for the HSE North America Congress and uh, we're delighted to interview today uh, yourself for HSE Network and talk about some pressing subjects that I know you're passionate about with your organization and, uh, and, and your background and of course your career. So um, we're going to discuss with you today, Ron, um, some of the challenges around human factors, behavior, uh, safety management systems, uh, leadership and resilience engineering and uh, sort of the new view of safety. So um, uh, the first question I wanted to ask you, you're, you're probably well aware that, and, and know that safety has reached a, a plateau in improvement. Uh, there's certain safety t- statistics that have been provided by HSC, the HSC, show how major incidents have stayed uh, the same. And the question is how we learn from other major industries like aviation, like the nuclear sector, and look to how tasks and I guess equipment are set up to reduce the potential for mistakes. Mm. Companies are looking to adopt human factors, behaviors, to help optimize operational safety. Um, So my question to you is, what does human performance mean for you in practice, and what are the principles that define it? Yeah, so uh, for me, human performance is, is about identifying how people operate in the real world and optimizing that to get better outcomes, right? So, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of as a contrast, a lot of old ways of approaching safety are based on figuring out what you don't want um, and just stopping there and saying, okay, how do we stop that from happening? The problem with that approach was it, it was artificial. It didn't really consider people in the real world and in organizations and how people interact with risk and with each other. So human performance fixes that from my perspective it it puts people back in context of the world they're living in and then asks the question okay how can we make this relationship between people and the organization people and each other people and their equipment better and so the the key principles for me are to number one uh, you know understand people's local rationality how they make sense of the world in that moment understand that that's number one Number two, once you understand that, then ask the question, how can we make it easier for people to do the thing that's good, right? The right thing, whatever thing we want. Um, How can we make it hard for them to do the wrong thing? Whatever, you know, getting themselves hurt, for example. And then also, how can we make it so that when people do the wrong thing or when the wrong thing happens, nobody dies? So Mm -hmm. make it recoverable. Um, Okay, then on that note, then when we look at safety systems and processes, uh, some will say that our our approach, I guess, is way too 
bureaucratic uh, and as a result creates more and more paperwork. Some safety critical sectors, if you look at aviation for example, have tackled this issue head on. Uh, they've radically simplified their safety systems. Mm. Um, they did this, I guess, because investigations into a series of aviation accidents demonstrated that safety procedures uh, were too complex, you know, long and, uh, if you like, not understood when needed. Mm. But, so with that in mind, what can we learn, perhaps, from the aviation industry and other high-risk sectors? And second to that, if you don't mind me asking, will the next generation of employees Millennials, Gen Zs, for example, engage with our paper-driven processes. So first off, what we can learn from the aviation sector, um, I think you know, one thing that you just pointed out is, is yeah, they do have a lot of procedures and you know, they can be obviously very complex because the aviation system is very complex, but it's often, or at least there's thought given to, okay, is this procedure actually adding value? It's not just a procedure for the sake of a procedure, right? Um, it's not just, hey, we had a problem, let's add a procedure, and then the problem will go away. Um, a lot of aviation operators are really thinking hard about, okay, how can we enable people to you know, operate successfully? And uh, you know, then the question becomes, okay, would a procedure help in that instance? And so, in a way, the procedure gets put back in its proper place, a tool right, something that's supposed to help us, not an end unto itself, which it sort of has become in a lot of organizations, right, where it's, you know, following the procedure is the measure for whether it's safe or not, which that doesn't make sense because everybody knows procedures are imperfect. So I think we can learn from aviation to put the procedure back in its place. It's a process intervention. It's not an outcome that we want. Um, to, the, to, to the second point, it's, it's really good. I mean, we're going to have to really think differently about um, how you know people interact with our procedures and our processes and our systems um, as new technologies are coming in. I mean, it blows my mind. We have generations coming in that don't know a world without the internet. Mm. Um, you know, that have never seen a telephone that has a cord in it. You know, it's just <laughs> bizarre, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and that's that's a real life thing. It's going to have real world consequences, right? Oh. So if we come at safety management um, like we did in the past we may actually be inadvertently setting ourselves up for failure. Um, and it's not going to be good enough for us to say, well, you know, it worked for us, therefore it must work for them. That's, that's just not going to be the case, right? Um, we can get frustrated at that all day long, or we can start asking the new generations, what do you need? What, what would help you, you know, be more effective and, or use this process? Or whatever, you know what I mean? So get really more collaboration, I think, is what we need. No longer a paper-pushing industry, then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, don't tell the tree industry. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be upset. Absolutely. <laughs> All safety professionals, I guess, have heard of the Heinrich applied his ideas. Um, mm -hmm. the, the famous Heinrich Triangle, I believe. So yeah. the, that, amongst other current safety programs, because obviously I know you're quite heavily involved in the Safety Differently build mm -hmm. uh, for the website and uh, editor-in-chief. So... You know, other safety programs, we've got you know, behavioral-based safety, you've got zero harm or zero anything, you know, um, uh, so forth, which, you know, vigorously promoted by consultancies all the time and adopted by firms and safety professionals. Do you think these theories are bogus? And do we need to, or do we need to introduce a more evidenced approach to safety? I mean, we live in a world of aggressive digitalization mm. uh, and transformation. It's picking up pace every, every second, every day. 
how do you embrace this in our, our plans and I guess use it to our benefit? Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say that they're bogus. I would say that the interpretations of them are bogus. And so, I mean, that, the reason I say that is because, you know, at the end of the day, the Heinrich pyramid is a correlation, right? You know, there's X number of minor events and you're going to have a smaller number of major events. That's, you know, that's just going to be normal life, right? Um, and, and the problem is when we say that that correlation is a relationship, right? That, okay, I can now predict how many fatalities I'm going to have based upon how many minor injuries I'm going to have. And that's just not true. Um, you know, and so you can say that, you know, I'm going to have a lot more minor events and smaller number of major events. But the question then becomes, how do we, what do we do with that information? And at the end of the day, there's not much you can do without diving into the details, getting into the particulars of what, what are these events that we're having? Um, and what are the conditions that are surrounding those events? Um, that's, to me, that's the big question, you know, because sometimes I feel like in, in, in the safety space, we, we get lost in the abstract and we start, you know, well, Heinrich's wrong and Heinrich's right and, and, and all this. And, and really, at the end of the day, the question then becomes, okay, what events are we actually talking about? You know, does, you know, how many times we have people rolling their ankle have a predictive value on how often we're going to blow up our plant? No, of course not. Then the numbers, you know, whether they're true or not is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. It's not going to help me make better decisions. Mm -hmm. And that, at the end of the day, is the question. What are we going to, what theories are going to help us make better decisions? I'm a big believer when it comes to theories that it's not about whether they're accurate, it's about whether they're useful. Mm -hmm. What's actually going to help us do better in the future? Um, because all theories are, you know, are, they have a context in which they make sense. Um, so I think we need to start asking, okay, when does that make sense and when is it not applicable? Th that's a better question as to whether it, you know, than whether it's accurate or not, if that makes sense. Ron, I thank you so much for coming in. Thank My you pleasure. for doing the interview Thanks with HSC Network. And I uh, yeah, can't wait to see you in Portugal, Lisbon. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. Portugal's awesome. Fantastic, thank you. So that brings us to the conclusion of our interviews from the North American Congress. Next up, we take a trip over the pond and dive into some health and safety topics with the experts in the UK. Thanks very much for everyone for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.